Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. The plan in New York City was to allow indoor dining again and for it to become the first major school district in the country to bring children back into the public schools. But yesterday, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced an emergency crackdown, saying that he intended to impose new restrictions in 20 hotspots in Brooklyn and Queens that have been experiencing rising positivity rates. Still, Many public schools are reopening after nearly six months of closure, and many parents and teachers are wondering how to keep everyone safe while providing the students with an effective educational experience. So we've invited industrial hygienist Monona Russell back to our show to look at what we need to do to keep the children, teachers, and staff safe. She is the president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, the health and safety officer for Local 829 of Yahtzee, which is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and she's the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. It's published by Wiley. I'm very pleased to welcome her back to our show now. And if you have a question for Monona, we invite you to call us. The number is 212-209-2877. Or you can email your questions to me at leonardlopate at wbai.org. Hi, Monona. Hi. I think I have a uh, first for WBAI. Okay. I'm going to be the first to announce that today sometime here, that's the Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, will be filing a complaint against the Board of Education on behalf of about 45 teachers and uh, individuals in the school system. Um, They are going to be explaining the ventilation as the primary thing that is wrong. And I have got a lot to say. Now, I I can't tell you everything because their press release should come out before this day is over. But your your listeners are hearing this for the first time. Well, you have consulted on the ventilation and safety planning of over 80 buildings. Uh, in fact, you received three architectural awards for environmental planning. So um, you must have thought a lot about the uh, the reopening of the schools. And uh, the, uh, now the, the, that complaint that is being filed, uh, is that applied to the... Uh, the ones, the public and private schools that still plan to reopen? Well, yes. It's, uh, what, you see, all of us got um, the various um, um, reports on the schools on their ventilation. They have changed those three times. They are totally unreliable. And even if they, even, even those reports, in, in my estimation, only outline why you should not be in the, most of those buildings. So um, this is a, it's a totally inadequate place to be. You have to have enough air changes. You have to have enough fresh air uh, and, and a proper filtration in order to, to, to be safe in any, any building. And those schools are old, and some of them have no ventilation at all, and some of them the windows don't open. Even if the windows open, they don't provide enough ventilation for control of the virus. They only provide enough ventilation just to keep people alive in the building, and that's no longer good. 
Um, the, the old ASHRAE standards that everyone was using are absolutely insufficient for infection control. So I set up a system long ago, um, well, in, in the COVID era long ago, that was like three months ago, for <laughs> a ventilation of, of film locations. And um, we, we now apply it to the schools as well because it, it, it just tells you what you need as a bottom line in order to have any kind of control of, of the virus. Otherwise, you're entering a, a, a capsule that has very little air changes, and anyone who's infected is literally filling up the joint with the, the, the airborne virus. And the public school I went to was a converted Civil War hospital. Now, I, I don't yeah. know if they're still using that building, but as you point out, a lot of the, the buildings, uh, the school buildings throughout the city, are quite old. Um, I suspect only a few are even new. Uh, you mentioned ASHRAE. Um, that's the American Society of Heating, Refrigerating, and Air Conditioning Engineers. Do they set right. standards for indoor ventilation systems? Yes, they do. But do you hear the word infection control in there or industrial <laughs> systems? No. They only provide enough air so that people won't get sick just from loss of fresh air. They do not control anything like this. And in fact, the ASHRAE standard itself, that's 62.1 for indoor air quality in buildings, it literally says that if you have class four air, which would be air that has a bioaerosol or something that's dangerous in it, that you can't recirculate it. Hmm. So it, 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 the, the standard itself says you can't use this standard. And now, yet that's the, the standard that they're using and telling people, well, it meets the ASHRAE standard, and those teachers should be standing up and saying, like, we care. It is not relevant now. I assume those standards were adopted before the COVID-19 pandemic started, uh, well, but they haven't been revised time. since? Well, they, well, ASHRAE actually came out with an, uh, um, a, a position paper uh, saying that you should be switching those systems over to 100% outside air, uh, six-room exchanges per hour, all kinds of things. They aren't listening to any of that more modern ASHRAE stuff that they specifically wrote on COVID. They are, they are still telling teachers, well, it meets the ASHRAE standard. And it, it, if it's meeting 62.1, which is the standard they usually use for those buildings, it is dangerous. Now, what kinds of preparations have the school buildings undergone? Have school officials analyzed whether school ventilation systems were adequate to contain the virus? They said they had, and they issued all these reports, and these, this, they're on the third version, and they change and change and change because they, they don't even seem capable of counting windows. One particular building, they said that there were 67 rooms with windows that opened. And that report just came back again, and now it says there are 67 rooms with no open <laughs> windows. <laughs> and it sounds like the White House only, is getting involved in this. <laughs> right, and there's only 29 rooms in the whole building that have a window. And even if you open the window, it's not ventilation. It's a little diffusion and turbulence that will keep people in normal conditions from getting sick, but it will not mitigate an airborne virus. We what know about, how to do that. 
What about window air conditioners? Do they improve the situation? Have you ever cleaned the filter in yours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can read the paper through it. Does that sort of like tell you maybe that's no. not going to work? And not only that, it brings air from the room in, runs it past the cooling part of the, of the um, coil, and then runs that same air back into the room. It does nothing. It is not ventilation. It is cooling. Mm. So those are totally useless. And the same with the um, unit ventilators. Those, most of them are only bringing in room air and, 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 and heating or cooling it and blowing it back into the room through those things we used to drop our pencils through. <laughs> and um, un- unless they're connected to the outside, they're, they're absolutely useless. And even if they're connected to the outside, they don't deliver enough cubic feet per minute to really exchange that room as it should. Those, are, those buildings should be abandoned for, for the temporary COVID problem. Well, they've been closed for six months, and I'm assuming they've all been thoroughly cleaned. Is well, that a, in your dreams. That's a positive step? <laughs> in my dreams, you say? <laughs> yeah, because well, that's always a problem. Every time you close uh, the, the schools in particular that have HVAC systems, the big systems that actually can be repurposed in many cases to provide decent ventilation for COVID, but when, when they've been sitting around, they grow a whole bunch of Legionella bacteria and all kinds of stuff. They have to really be – it's a big deal to restart an HVAC system. And um, so there are all kinds of ASHRAE and other procedures for redoing that. And I have no confidence that, that if, if they can't even count the windows in a building, how are they doing that? So I have a lot of questions that I think the teachers should also have uh, on, on these buildings. And many teachers are uh, concerned and teachers unions has uh, expressed concern as well. Not all of the, the teachers want to go back into the classrooms. But OK, now, under ideal conditions, how do indoor ventilation systems generally work? Do they uh, mix? Do they use a mix of fresh air and recirculated air? Yeah, there's air that comes in. <clears throat> And it goes through a filter, and that's, that filter is usually one that is only there to protect the HVAC system, the fan and the cooling and, and um, what we call the chiller equipment and so on. So it is what we call a crumbs, flies, and feathers filter. It just takes the big <laughs> stuff out. It's not uh-huh. meant for, for this kind of infection control at all. And so then that air comes in. And it goes into the rooms, um, and it goes back through the returns. Both of these are unfortunately usually on the ceiling, so the best ventilation in these rooms usually is at the ceiling. Um, And when it goes back, then, it would be carrying the virus. Now, it comes back up into the system, and it has at one point in the ductwork a choice. It either goes into exhaust, goes away from the building, or it goes back through that filter system and is mixed with more fresh air. So the fresh air usually is between 10 and 20%. Forget about it. That's not going to cut this. So now you have the virus coming through the filter system. So that's why they're saying a MERV-13 or MERV-17. Those are filters that are better. The only one that really, really is good is the is the MERV 17, which is a like a HEPA. But 
we will take a MERV-13 with vastly increased outdoor air to, to, to uh, dilute the, the virus because the virus will go through a 13. It, it'll, some of it will be captured, but some of it will also go through. Well, we've talked in the past about the fact that virus particles are contained in both large and small droplets. Are the ventilation systems in our schools or around pretty much in use everywhere capable of filtering out both sizes? Well, that's it. Um, they, they, the MERV-13, or well, let's take the MERV-17, which is a HEPA. Yes, that one will capture both. And what does now, HEPA mean? Uh, HEPA means high efficiency particulate air. Ah, okay. Yeah, and but the 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 MERV system is a minimum um, efficiency reporting value, which is a an ASHRAE system, and it's it was never 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 designed for infection control. It's meant to protect the machinery, and and, and then when when air quality became of interest, then they started to check those MERV filters to see how much of the other things they could remove, and then they started touting them as air purifying and. Uh, uh, it's not a good system, and they only developed them up to 16, MERV-16. The 17, 18, 19, and 20 are actually NIOSH standard filter systems. Those are industrial and, um, um, and, and, and compliant with the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health filter standards. So those are the ones that we would really like to rely on. The problem is those old HVACs can't, don't have enough juice in them. The fan is not strong enough always to shove stuff through that MERV-17 filter. So that's why we'll take a MERV-13 with a whole lot of extra air and, and, and hope that we're reducing the virus enough. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. My guess is industrial hygienist Monona Russell. And uh, we are taking your calls. We invite your calls at 212-209-2877. Or uh, if that's inconvenient, if it's inconvenient to use your phone, you can always email your questions to me at leonardlopate at wbai.org. Again, the number 212-209-2877. Now, uh, there are all of these different uh, terms that I'm, I'm, oh, by the way, uh, I also want to invite listeners uh, to, they don't have to stick to just talking about the schools because many of these things apply to all sorts of other things, uh, our workplaces, in some cases, yeah. our homes, right? So, Monona, we absolutely. can expand it, can't we? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so what is meant by, I want to say, ach, A-C-H. Is that a German word? It means uh, air, changes air changes per hour? Yeah, air changes per hour. So does that mean how many times the air in a room is completely changed? Well, no, it doesn't, unfortunately. And that's what they sometimes like to say, that it, but it doesn't mean that at all. Because, you see, when, when the amount of air coming into a space is equivalent to the volume of that space, it is one air exchange. But it doesn't come in and push all the old air out evenly, and then when, <laughs> in other words, it leaks in and it's continually mixing. So it takes 
many air exchanges to actually um, uh, replace all the air. If you have six air exchanges per hour, it takes about 46 minutes of changes until you have a 99% replacement of the air. So we always are looking at the time between classes and other things that will help to purge. Um, when we open theaters for filming, um, we usually have periods of time between sets so that we can get a complete replacement of the air in, in, in the theater and so on. We're seeing uh, TV shows uh, returning to inviting audiences. Is, is that something that alarms you at all? Well, or, or was it just the fact that Saturday Night Live it, wasn't it, funny this week? It, it doesn't, it doesn't, because if it's a union thing, and it, most of those are, uh, we already set those parameters, and the unions enforce them. So if you've got SAG or AFTRA people uh, there, and you've got uh, IATSE crew people, um, the chances are really good that they've had to revamp their their system in compliance with our, our plan. And um, so I have, I have pretty much confidence in, in the way we're doing that. Again, a reminder, our number here is 212-209-2877 if you want to speak to Monona Russell. And we have a, a number of people waiting to talk to her. Let's go to our first call. BAI, you're on the air. Hi, uh, I'm an educator calling from Brooklyn, and I just appreciate everything you have to say uh, with your knowledge. I just wish um, the Department of Education could could use you and, like, you could educate them because they are <laughs> clueless. And I, I really feel like no one stepped into these buildings. Um, speaking on mine, I've been there every si single day since we opened up, and I've seen things that haven't been touched since March. And it's unfortunate yep. because you can't blanket this system and say, oh, we did it when you really didn't go to every single building. And I know our city's huge. I know it's a gigantic department. But you have to make those adjustments if you want this to work the way it works. And now, I do you just, do you they're just uh, trying to cover up? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Now, finish your point. I just feel like they're trying to, they're, they're showing what they're showing, but not like pulling down the curtain. And unless you go into these schools and you talk to who's there for six hours a day, you're never going to get to the bottom of what's really going on. Now, the mayor has, says he's closing down non-essential businesses and schools in nine zip codes. Are you in one of those nine zip codes? Yes. I am in one of the hotspot zip codes, and unfortunately, I'm still waiting to know whether I will have to come into the building or I will be able to work remotely home. That Ooh. still is a very weird situation where they can't give the teachers a clear-cut answer, where we'll have to either come here and sit in an empty building and stare at our laptops or be able uh -oh. to stay safe at home. Because I don't live in the zip code I work in, but why should I have to travel to a dangerous zip code, travel back where I live with my family, you know, I don't think they take that into consideration, unfortunately. So thank you for your knowledge. I hope somehow the Department of Ed can hear all the ventilation stuff. I was just in my gym this morning. And just to open up those windows. Before thank I you for your call. Is it Let's 
Manona, anything yes. you want to add before I go to another oh, call? I, I, I sure do, because, you know, she has the, all the goodwill and all the the kindness that you see in teachers, and especially she's extended that kindness to the DOE, <laughs> the Department of Education, and I think it's unwarranted because the teachers I've been meeting have been meeting with the DOE and other officials, and they know this. And they know full well that we want six-room exchanges, and they simply told these teachers it's not happening. They aren't even going to even go there. They, they, they want to just do it like they're doing it, and they are defending the way they're doing it. And I'm sorry, but you see, because, okay, I'm really glad that we're protecting our actors and our performers and our crew and all of the other people in the entertainment world. I really am. But in the total scheme of things, that teacher we talk to is more important than our workers. That the whole culture depends on her safety and her work. And I think that if anybody should be getting the kinds of protections that we're seeing in the entertainment world, it should be the teachers. And I, I have I have no sympathy with the Department of Education. I'm very glad they're filing against them, and I think it's the only thing that's going to get their attention, and it's the only way they'll learn. They do, they, their lawyers will learn it first. Have all the schools been outfitted with HEPA filters? No, of course not. Oh. Okay, let's go to another call. WBAI, you're on the air. How are you, uh, Leonard? I, I'm well. I hope you are as well, and all of the people listening. Uh, you my have a question is, for Monona? Yeah, my name is Asar. I'm calling from Harlem, New York. Uh, the question, it could be either to the guest or to you, Leonard. I mean, the boat, the, the arrow, the arrow already left the boat, the boat. The question I would like to ask and try to find an answer on, this particular virus, has it been weaponized? Oh, it's found natural in nature, and I'm going to hang up and allow either one of you okay. to. Uh, and thank you. You That's keep good. these programs going hard. Keep doing it. Thank All you right. so much for your call, Monona. It's there's Very good. still some people who believe that this is uh, have a conspiracy theory about uh, yeah. coronavirus, but um, most people discount they, it. What is? What are your feelings? You no, know, no. They in in fact, if you look at the at the at the at the the, the, the RNA structure, there are parts of it that just really we can't synthesize. Nobody can synthesize yet. And this has happened again and again and again. This is not atypical. There's nothing about this virus that is that odd, except mm -hmm. our ignorance and 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 slow response, because we have known. That the, the 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 droplets and both and the aerosol is a problem with many of the viruses. You go back in the literature, you see it, but people don't want to believe it. They want to believe it's going to be simple and it's going to be big sneeze droplets that you can wipe up and you know protect yourself with sanitation. And everyone knew that was not the case. Who was thinking about this and looking at the data? I read from two to four hours every day just to keep up with the research that's coming out all over the world on this. And no. it's just it's just well known that this happens. We know how it happens, and it's going to happen again. It's been suggested that the uh, camphor that you find in a product like VapoRub may aid in killing off the virus. Has that been tested? 
You're going elephant hunting with a pea shooter. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, well, at least you're putting it under your ma- uh, you know, a mask over all of that. Uh, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. You're well, on the I like air. That. I like that's a question there. I don't know why is it that the Board of Education has a uh, Department of Sewer Construction Authority that handles these things. And I don't know why they don't have the engineers to look at all these schools. I've been going to school for almost 50 years, and it was always a problem of trying to ventilate or air condition these schools. Half of these schools, from high schools down to elementary schools, do not have air conditioning because when they have summer school, those students really almost die to death with no air conditioning, just fan, not even fans. And I said to myself, why in the heck were we going to build new schools? Why is it our engineers are supposed to be the brightest? But I think they're the most dumbest they ever call, not even looked into this. Now, you had a mayor there, Bloomberg, that put up all this money for these private schools as well as charter schools in them. Why is it they're not doing it? And I feel that the teachers, as well as the other, should step in to the board of bed and say, look, you do your job or shut the whole damn department down and start a whole new department from the ground up. I'm with you. <laughs> I really am. Because what we've done is we've let the, we've let the schools rot for decades. Their, their, their systems are just not up to stuff and they're not being kept up. And it's just been, it's been an ongoing problem. Um, every time I go into a, a school building, um, and I, I go into them all over the world, it isn't just New York, but they, they almost all over the country we see this kind of neglect. Um, it doesn't show on the on on you know the public doesn't appreciate the, the ventilation system. They they appreciate the new modern um, teaching techniques and computers and 3D printers and stuff. And they they don't really think about the building mm-hmm. itself. And so it just has gone really gone south. And that isn't only true of the schools. We see a lot of office buildings and other places where it, the, the ventilation has been ignored for decades, and we're, we're reaping the, 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 the havoc of, of our letting these things slide like this all these years. Thank you so much for your call. Uh, is the air quality in the schools being tested, and what would uh, air quality tests measure? Oh, I am so glad you brought that up. Oh, boy, am I glad. Here's the thing, ASHRAE 62, prior to COVID, the way they tested was to test carbon dioxide because each person is breathing out carbon dioxide. And if you don't have enough air for for general health, um, the amount of carbon dioxide goes to a level that is considered too high, which is 700 parts per million over outdoor CO2. And then it's time to change. And so what they were doing is they were telling the schools, well, we're testing the air. We're testing the CO2. (laughs) Well, every empty room will test perfect. Thank you very much. And every distance room will also test well. This test, again, like all the rest of ASHRAE 62, doesn't work. You only have to concentrate on how many air exchanges, what the filter is capable of, and um, and and the and the per- percent fresh air that is coming in. That's the only three things you need to know, and they can't even manage to tell us that. 
in on August 11th, the American Industrial Hygiene Association published a document called Reducing the Risk of COVID-19 Using Engineering Controls. So right, what are they it. recommending? Same thing I am, mm-hmm. basically. The, they they want to maximize fresh air. They want to maximize the air changes per hour. Get a good filter in there. And uh, another organization called the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists wrote a similar paper. So there are three major organizations, ASHRAE, um, American Industrial Hygiene Association, and the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, all recommending that we maximize those things. And aren't you a consultant to the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists uh, Committee on Industrial Ventilation? Ventilation. And on the the COVID subcommittee, yes. Subcommittee as well. Go ahead. So you're talking to the the, the, the the person who is very familiar with all of this. The the problem with all three of those position papers is they they said maximize, 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 but they didn't really say here's the limits. And that's what I did for the film company because we film company because we had to start somewhere, and it had to be somewhere practical, something that you can actually do. So it, are my standards perfect? Hell no. Would I like to see mm-hmm. them better? You betcha. <laughs> but at least if you do the basics that I've suggested, we've got a shot. we got at least enough ventilation that we should be able to reduce the exposure through the, 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 the HVAC system. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. My guess is uh, uh, industrial hygienist Monona Russell, and we are taking your calls at 212-209-2877. A number of people are hanging on. Uh, We have to take a brief break, and we'll be back with more of your calls and more of uh, Monona's insights right after this. American city, you will find it very pretty. Just two things of which you must beware. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Pollution, (laughs) pollution, they got smog and sewage and mud. Turn on your tap and get hot and cold running crud. Ah, Monona, he recorded that before COVID-19, but (laughs) it still sounds appropriate, doesn't it? Everything I have ever heard from him is appropriate even today. <laughs> we are speaking with Monona Russell and taking your calls, and let's go to another call. Hi, BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, you're on Monona? the air. Monona? Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm speaking to Monona. How are you? Um, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Leonard. Um, for uh, having somebody on 2016, where you had a guy who uh, talked about um, what Canada had done in examining their cancer rates and the study they had done occupationally. Okay, now I'm going to fast forward to the last time you had Monona on, and I want to thank you. God bless you, uh, Ms. Russell, for your contribution by talking about this, okay? Um, I'm more concerned about the VOCs in those classrooms which I can't even walk into one New York City classroom today because humans have VOCs outgassing, the colognes, the perfumes, the endocrine disruptors, okay, the, um, uh, 
So I, I, I would not trust the school system in terms of the air quality. But my question is this, and, and no one's talked about this, and this is where my background comes in. My father was an electronics technician in the Korean War and the Vietnam War. He had a background in, um, in electronics, and um, he inspired me to go the electronics route. And I was an electrician and electronic technician. And so my question is this, and this is where my greatest fear is, and no one's talked about it. Um, uh, I, did a, I helped a child do a research paper on um, the um, radiation exposure. Uh, now, we could talk about the electromagnetic radiation in those schools from those wireless routers, but let's go even to the voltage radiation. You know, um, I carry a meter with me, and they told me on the uh, Metro North, because I live upstate now, they told me on the Metro North, don't carry it because it's going off too long. Every time I walk into a school, if I come close to a school, my meter alarm is constantly on, and not just, please, if you can identify this, the electromagnetic radiation coming off of routers, cell phones, tablets, okay? But, um, Winona, is this something that you've looked into? Yeah, the voltage radiation uh, that's coming through the outlets, the circuits, the 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 um the uh what do you call the the surge suppressors, the voltage radiation coming off of those devices, the voltage radiation coming off of the inductors that are connected to the uh, AC outlets. No one has ever talked about that. I'm, no one. I'm never walking into a schoolroom again. Okay, <laughs> Monona, you want to respond? I don't want to scare you, but okay, but let, let Monona talk. Please. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have no doubt that we're going to find out that a significant uh, hazard exists in all of the places that we see this kind of uh, these kinds of electronics. But um, unfortunately, there there isn't a real simple fix for this because right now everything is dependent on the way we we handle electricity. It it, it needs to be changed. That there's no question about that. But it's a long-term hazard. COVID is short-term. And so um, that's what I'm dealing with, with primarily at this time. But I agree with him. We really should be looking at a lot of this electronic stuff. And I would certainly look at the fact that we're putting 3D printers even into grade schools. And they mm -hmm. kick off huge amounts of nanoparticles and VOCs and all kinds of stuff. And kids are sitting right near them. And they fill the air full of stuff. In addition, the virus piggybacks on air pollution. So the, the worse the air is in a room, the more that thing can piggyback and just get everywhere. Uh, we, we're, we're combining hazards here with this virus. And so the only thing we can really do is to get that air exchanged and get, it, get the worst of it uh, cleaned up. Okay, well, getting back to COVID, uh, it's been pointed out that all the people in the White House uh, and in Congress who have recently uh, come infected, uh, none of them were wearing masks and none of them were practicing social distancing. Would having everyone wear a mask during the entire school day help? And is it practical to expect young children to wear a mask all day? Well, it looks like it's working. I mean, remember the cloth masks are not protecting the wearer. They're protecting everybody from the wearer. And when enough people wear them, they reduce the total amount of droplets that get expelled by people. In other words, they're catching the droplets before they're, 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 they become small. It, uh, let's just spend a few minutes on that so that you can get a picture of what really happens. When you talk, when you breathe, 
there are all kinds of different sized particles coming out of your mouth. They're too small to see, but they are happening, and we can really even tell you how many now. And they are they range roughly in size from 30 micro um, m- m- microns to um, to point one microns in size. That's that's the average. And so these particles will float. The ones that are under 10 microns can stay in the air for a long period of time. The bigger ones hopefully settle. But remember, if you know anything about your lungs, that a lot of what is in those particles is going to be water. And duh, it evaporates. So the longer it stays in the air, the smaller that particle gets until it gets down to just the virus and a little bit of lung gunk that hangs on to it. So those little particles, the big particles start out large and some of them become small. So huge amounts of them are being created by an infected person and they're going into that air. And if we don't capture them and dilute them quickly, um, they're going to put everybody at risk in that room, not necessarily six feet away because these things travel on air currents and they don't settle. There's one study from Tulane that shows the virus still active and in the air 16 hours later. Wow. So, I mean, it's not something that is just going to go away. So we have to have something that's going to replace that air. Now, should we be passing out N95 masks or uh, are any cloth masks sufficient, considering what the question I asked you earlier about whether it's practical to even expect young children to wear a mask all day? Well, if 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 the you can't put an N95 on a child, that's for sure. Um, there's breathing stress associated with it, and you're supposed to, if you're an OSHA teacher, you're supposed to have a program where you get medical certification first to see that you have no heart or lung problem that will be exacerbated by the breathing stress, and then you're supposed to be fit tested because they only fit certain numbers of people. They don't fit everybody, and and then training to know how to wear them and take care of them and all the rest. So... Um, what what the what the country really did wrong i mean the worst one of the worst things they did was not having a national program for making sure that we had all the n95s we could possibly want once we did that and the, what are we talking about a little hunk of something with some straps on this is not a major rocket science project there is no reason why industries could not have been retooled to do this with with the War Powers Act, but it didn't happen. So we even have healthcare workers without enough N95s and wearing them over and over and over when they're meant to be thrown away. Um, mm. it, it's 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 obscene what we're doing. So my personal feeling is there should be so many N95s that all of the able-bodied teachers could easily be fit-tested and trained, and and they would be then protected. It's not a big deal, and it should be part of the program, but it's not there. So what we have instead are these cloth masks made by very well-meaning people. There's no problem with their motivation, but they're cloth. they, They aren't the educated kind of fiber networks that we know will capture the really tiny, tiny particles. So you put a piece, if it was, if we could stop this virus with a piece of cloth, you know. <laughs> oh, so I probably made a big mistake because somebody 
uh, in in the field sent me a package of uh, N95 masks, and I uh, passed them on to a neighbor who uh, works in hospitals because I thought she probably needed more. I used just a cloth mask. Should I have kept one for myself? Well, uh, it depends, I guess, on your values. I think you did a very good thing because I think that person is more important than you and I. Yeah. And, well, I'm, uh, so I'm not ready to, to decide whether she's more important than I am. But, yes, well, I, so I did feel that she probably needed it more than I did, and, and so did her colleagues. And so that's why I passed it on to them. Well, I bloody bought 10 of them, I can tell you. <laughs> At my age, you don't. I'm not going out without an N95. I can just tell you okay. that. Right from, well, maybe I can get one again. Uh, should we take some more calls? BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. You're on the yeah. air. Um, I wanted to ask about 5G and, and what do you think about that and what we could do to protect ourselves from that? Well, yeah. Again, it's not quite in this area of what we're discussing today. And um, there, there definitely can be some hazards associated with it. I think I think the research is beginning to show that, but I think that it is it is peripheral to this discussion the same way as the the uh, electronic issues that came up in a prior call. Um, uh, I, I addressed it, but I think we have to stay on this topic for now because that is, again, a long-term issue. You don't uh, use a 5G network and drop over. Uh, it's it's long-term <clears throat> uh, health effects. So I think we need to keep up with with the with the one that is most um, pressing today. Thank you for your call. Uh, before we go to another call, are there other kinds of air purifiers like ultraviolet uh, fiber un uh, filter units or air ionizers, negative ion generators, and ozone generators that might help filter out COVID particles? Ninety percent of that is bogus. Really, okay. really need not to go there. Um, okay. <clears throat> yeah, they, the <clears throat> excuse me. They, they, there are some UV systems that are set up in duct work, where there is some actual uh, studies and um, and 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 uh, efficacy tests. But most of that other stuff, you see, UV, for example, only can kill if it's the right distance away and direct. It, uh, reflected UV doesn't kill the bug. So you have to really have it close and you really have to zap the surface in order to kill. <clears throat> so most of those things don't work and they very often put out ozone, which is a toxic gas. Oh, uh, so those are the ionizer, that, that cleans the air by charging all of the particles and what do they do then? They don't leave the room. No, they do not. So what they do is they grab onto any surface, floors, tables, you, whatever. <laughs> we do not need the virus to do that. So the mm -hmm. last thing you want is an ion ionizer or a negative ion generator or an ozone generator or any of those things in, in your home, whatever. 
Okay, so I'm going to call Amazon and cancel the order. No, I did, uh, but that is that is kind of scary because you hear about all those things as positive things. They're cleaning the the subways with with ultraviolet filter units, etc. No, uh, no, 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 no. They are not. not. Oh no, they're not. Oh, okay. No, that's that again. They are doing a pilot test out in the yards with UV because it's so dangerous. You know, they have, to, they have to have an isolated area, and they were doing some tests. I don't know where that pilot test has gone. But what they are doing in the, in the subways themselves is they're using an electrostatic sprayer, and there is absolutely no evidence that an electrostatic sprayer is better than any other standard sprayer. But they are using that, but what they are using in it is what's important. And that's one of the EPA N-List-approved disinfectants. That's what kills. And what I teach my people, first thing in the union, is how to look up any disinfectant that is going to be used and get find out if it's approved on the EPA end list and how it has to be used. Many of these have a five or ten minute dwell time. How do you want to leave your surface wet for 10 minutes before you wipe it off? I mean, you've got to read. You've got to learn. And if it is not on that list, it is This is bogus. so scary. So, I mean, oh. they are out there. I mean, they are selling stuff over the Internet. Why we go there to get our expertise? I cannot understand it. So EPA clearly says if they are making claims, then you want to see the peer-reviewed or lab-certified data showing that when used as directed, it does what you say it does. If they cannot provide that, if they are just making all these glorious claims in ads, you do not want to order that thing. Okay. Uh, we have lots of people who are hanging on, and I'm not, I'm, I don't think we're going to get to all of them, but we'll try. Uh, BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hello. You're on the air. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm wondering now uh, if this problem could be an opportunity. Uh, how about having smaller classroom sizes? Instead of having 30 and maybe 35 kids in a class, why not going back to having, say, 12 or 15 kids in a class? They're, they're already doing that. And hiring more teachers. Mm-hmm. Teachers who yeah, are willing to go into the classrooms, which is a whole other yeah, issue. They have to set the desks to apart. You have to set the seats further apart, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for your call. Uh, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Uh, I'm getting a little general here. We all have to eat, so we all have to go to a supermarket, and I'm wondering... Are there industrial standards for air qualities in supermarkets? And are some supermarkets better than others, for instance, Publix or Piggly Wiggly or Walmart? Or is there a standard for what the quality would be like in all-star big stores you go to? And let me expand on, well, you go to the supermarket in my area and you have to be wearing a mask. But we've been talking about schools. Many restaurants are also reopening indoor dining. Um, do the same ventilation requirements apply to stores, to restaurants, uh, et cetera? Well, remember, Cuomo asked uh, restaurants and uh, those other locations to have a minimum of a MERV 13. He actually did that right on, in one of his uh, 
uh, conferences because I was listening to them and I said, whoa, you know, <laughs> the man has actually been talking to somebody who knows. Um, um, so that was a start. And they're supposed to have upgraded their ventilation. But who checks on that? I don't think we really know. Nobody's inspecting and making sure that that's what they've got. So I, I, I just think that this is, you know, again, it's a huge problem. There are probably restaurants and there are probably um, supermarkets that have pretty good ventilation. And um, there are probably a lot more that don't. I, you can't look, you can't walk into a place and just smell the air and say, yeah, it's great. It, it, that, that's just not going to cut it. I'm sorry. You really yeah. have to know something about the system, and there's no way we can do that. So that's when you mask up. And that's when you take stuff home and wash your hands and, and wash the what you buy and or quarantine it for a little while before you use it and so on, because you just cannot be sure. We can make places, workplaces safer, but we can never make them safe. Minona, we have just about a minute or so to go, but uh, I wonder if you're privy to the situation in other parts of our listening area in Rockland and Westchester, Westchester counties in, in New Jersey. Are they also going through similar kinds of uh, turmoil about the safety of their schools? And, and yes, and in Georgia and in all the other states, because you remember what I do is national. So it's the same problem all over the country. Uh, are, you, are you have any thoughts about how the president's COVID-19 situation is being handled? <laughs> the best thing he did was to catch it. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try to sneak another call in, although I probably shouldn't. you got to make the, your question very brief, but BAI, you're on the air. Are you there? Are you okay. speaking to me? Yes, go ahead. Fast. Oh, good. Um, well, uh, since Monona is asking for the Board of Education to upgrade their ventilation system, why don't you also ask for uh, air, air heat exchangers, uh, energy recovery ventilators, that would be uh, CO2 actuated so that I they would, would operate like at maximum capacity out. when kids and, you know, I, go down to lower ventilation levels when okay, kids are not there. No. We have no time, so let Monona answer. No. Go ahead, Monona. You, 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 you want nothing in the system now that is CO2 activated. Nothing. Zero. Done. Because you will not activate anything with the distancing, because there's not enough people. That works only for full occupancy and only then for just public, you know, just enough to keep the public healthy. That's not what we need now. In fact, one of the first things you have to do is take all of that crap offline when you, re when you redo the ventilation systems. And the God help you if you've got a heat wheel, because now you're actually putting unfiltered air back into the system through that sucker um that you, to believe that a heat wheel works for energy conservation is to believe you can assign a section of a jacuzzi for peeing <laughs> it is just absolutely ridiculous so all of that equipment has to go offline you forget energy absolutely forget it because you're saving lives now you are turning that HVAC system into an industrial system designed for infection control. When we have a virus, when the virus messiah finally appears in the east, we will be able to go back to energy stuff. Right now, I have, we do 
I have to leave it there, Monona, as always. It's been a, a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for being on our show, and we'll be speaking to you again really soon. Very good. I'll take a pill and lie down now. <laughs> I have to just take care of a little more business, and I'll take another pill and lie down as well. Uh, that does bring us to the end of today's show. Special thanks to segment producer Barbara Kahn, who prepared today's interview. If you're new to our program and like, would like to hear more, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and anywhere else that podcasts are available. And you can find links to all of our past shows on our website, Leonard Lopez at large.com. Also, if you'd like to comment on any of our shows or if you just want to say hello, you can email me at leonardlopate at wbai.org. Before I sign off, I'd just like to take a few minutes to ask you for your support for the station. If you care about Leonard Lopate uh, at large and all of the other great programs on WBAI, we need your help to keep this thing going, especially now because of the, the pandemic. It's just made our financial situation quite difficult. So how about making a contribution by going to our website, give to WBAI.org or by calling 516-620-3602 right now to keep the unique in-depth content that we bring you on the show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. And it can be at whatever level you're comfortable with, but we need your help to get back on our feet because uh, a lot of listeners have been hit by uh, the, uh, the pandemic and can no longer uh, continue to, to support us. So we're asking everyone who tunes into London Located Large regularly and is financially able to step up right now by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 516-620-3602 to help keep this show and this station on the air. And one great way uh, to support WBAI without having to pay a lot of money at any one time is to become a BAI buddy. Uh, there are listeners who contribute $10 or, or more each month to keep the station running and, and to show their support for what we do on this show. And uh, I hope you realize that what we do here is not what other people are doing. No, I, I don't think anybody else has done a show like what we just did with Minona Russell. Uh, and uh, I, I can't believe that Anyone listening didn't come away with an awful lot of information that you didn't that, that was unique and and interesting to you. So um, whatever level you're comfortable don donating at, the important thing is that you do it right now so that we can continue to bring you these long form interviews on topics that we hope will be of interest to you. And please be sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large. A big thanks to everyone who's already stepped up to support the show on the station because we rely 100% on the generosity of listeners like you. So if you haven't already, how about right now making that call? 516-620-3602 or go online at give to wbai.org to sign up to become a BAI buddy today. And thank you so much for listening. See you tomorrow.